Hey guys, welcome to episode five of The Daily Churn. And today I'm going to do something a little bit different. I know we all hate change, but it's not going to be too far from the usual thing. Just that we're at the beginning of a new month and I thought it'd be nice to kind of recap what I've churned over the previous month, what went well, what didn't when it comes to credit cards, bank accounts, brokerages. And there are generally accounts that I don't think deserve their own episode. There's not that much to talk about them, but I think as a combined thing, it could be useful to give you an idea of what are some of the things you can pursue, what are some of the things you might have missed. Because unless you're checking DOC and Reddit religiously, there's a lot of offers that fly by. And I think sometimes we do get stuck in our own churning bubble or our own churning rut where we're only doing this one kind of thing, like we're only doing bank accounts, we're only doing credit cards. And so hopefully this is helpful in inspiring you to see some of these other offers. And at minimum, it might be at least interesting to hear my trials and tribulations over the last month of uh, things I've tried to churn. So yeah, let's dive in. So starting with credit cards, which mildly amusing that we've gone four episodes in a churning podcast without talking about credit cards at all. But it's probably a good thing because I think for the most part, we're all pretty familiar with the various offers out there and they get covered pretty extensively by all the various blogs. But the Chase Sapphire Preferred was the card I was trying to get the bonus for this past month. And I'd previously gotten a Chase Sapphire Reserve back in, I think, 2016. And I calculated that it's been over 48 months, so I was now eligible. But I was still holding on to my Chase Sapphire Reserve. I was using it and the travel credits were enough to offset the fee. And so what I had to figure out was just whether or not I would be able to downgrade the card. And if so, how soon after the downgrade would I be able to then apply for the Chase Sapphire Preferred? And luckily DOC has an article on this and it seems like seven to 10 days is sort of the safe period. So I called in at the beginning of July and changed my Chase Sapphire Reserve into a Freedom which I think is now like my fifth freedom card I have on my Chase account because I've just been downgrading things into a freedom. Great card, by the way. But about 10 days after calling to do that, I applied online for the Chase Sapphire Preferred and I was instantly approved. So the bonus on it right now is actually especially good. It's 100,000 points for spending $4,000. And if you have someone refer you, in my case, I had my P2 refer me, that's another 20,000 points for the person who refers you. And I'm a little sad actually, because I just told my friend to get the Chase Sapphire preferred like a couple months ago. And the bonus back then was only 80,000 points. So right now I think it is at an all time high and you're looking at 120,000 points plus you spend your $4,000, right? So that's another 4,000 to five, 6,000 points for that spend. So 125,000 points ish total is just an amazing bonus for a credit card. And that was going to be it for us in July for credit cards. We are trying to cut back our expenses. So meeting 4,000 over three months was pretty reasonable, but we didn't want to overcommit ourselves. But then a stockpile came along. And if you've been following it on DOC, it's been kind of a whirlwind and it's officially dead now. So I don't want to spend too much time on it. But essentially stockpile is a site that previously let you buy gift cards using a credit card with no fees and you then redeem those gift cards for stocks. And the whole thing was just unsustainably ridiculous because the limit was $25,000 per year that you could buy gift cards with a credit card on and you would just then use the gift cards to buy, let's say, a really stable 
ETF, like a short-term treasury bond, and then sell that stock, cash it out, withdraw it to your bank. And I mean, essentially it became just the easiest MS opportunity that I've ever seen anywhere. And of course, within a week or two, they kept reducing the limits. And I think now it's down to, I believe, $100 total of how much you can buy in gift cards. So that's totally dead. But while that was alive, I would met my Chase Sapphire preferred spend instantly. Then I had the bright idea of maybe actually applying for my Amex Business Platinum that I had the no lifetime language offer in my email and just applying for it now. And I had been kind of putting it off because of the $15,000 spend. But... I thought, hey, Stockpile could just meet that instantly, which turned out to be not a great idea for a number of reasons. One, I was hoping that Amex would send me the number instantly, as they've usually done in the past, but for some reason this time, no instant number. Then I found out that Stockpile doesn't actually accept Amex cards, so that was obviously the nail in the coffin. Then thinking about it some more, especially with Amex's very diligent rat team, I realized that there is also a risk of them potentially classifying that transaction as not eligible for a bonus because we are buying gift cards. So the whole thing ended up not being the best idea, but now I have a, an Amex Business Platinum with $15,000 of spend I need to meet, which I think ultimately my wife is taking classes online and there's uh, tuition payments and probably tax prepayments that I could do. The downside is the... 2% fee that they charge, but I think ultimately it's still worth the 150,000 points to kind of just suck it up and, and pay that fee. I also applied for a couple Visa cards to try and make the most of the stockpile thing, and unfortunately it was denied for both of those. Specifically the US Bank leverage card, the business leverage card, they denied me for having too many increase in the last three months, which I only had two, so that was a little strange. And also they said that the my average age of credit was too short and just looking on Credit Karma just now, it's at five years due to opening some new cards in the last year. And yeah, five years generally seems to be an okay amount of time, but I guess with the US Bank Business Leverage card, they are very strict. And I read some comments online that they were pretty strict, but I assumed it might have been okay because I did have a US Bank checking account, which I'd previously done to get the $400 bonus. And I also had the US Bank Altitude Connect card, which coincidentally in July, actually the bonus posted. And it's a pretty great card. It's the one that's 50,000 US Bank points for spending $3,000 after your spend, you end up with about 55,000 US bank points. And those can be redeemed just for straight cash back, which equals $550. So you're essentially getting $550 back on $3,000, which is about a 18% essentially cash back rate, which is pretty awesome if you don't have other cards you're trying to pursue. And so I'd hope those two things would make the application process smoother for the US bank business, but apparently that's not the case. The other card I was denied for was the Bank of America Business Cash Rewards card, which was $750 cash back on $5,000 of spend, which I thought would be pretty good for this stockpile thing. But they denied me for not having enough of a business history with Bank of America, which was a little strange because I have had business bank accounts and cards with Bank of America before, but they did offer a secured version of the card where if you're not familiar with secured cards, you essentially deposit 
the amount of money that you want to be your credit limit. So if you want a thousand dollar credit limit, you deposit a thousand dollars with Bank of America. And I haven't had to do that since I was, I think, 18 and didn't have credit history. But yeah, it didn't seem that appealing. Instead, what I ended up doing to try and maximize some of the stockpile thing was I had two Bank of America cash rewards cards and those offer 3% back on a category you choose for the quarter up to $2,500. And so I picked online shopping, which is what stockpile was classified as, and just charged $2,500 on each of those cards for $75 cash back on each of those. So $150 of free cash back total, which was not bad. So all in all, not a terrible month for credit cards. It was nice to have met the minimum spend on the Chase Sapphire Preferred and having the $550 of cash back post from the US Bank Connect card and then the $150 of cash back just from charging the cash rewards cards. And the downside obviously was getting denied for two of the business cards and I guess having an Amex business platinum with $15,000 spend because, you know, I would have preferred to have waited for a time where I could have met that $15,000 of spend naturally without having to pay the 2% fee, but not terrible all in all. I also have this like massive spreadsheet that tracks when I open cards and when I need to cancel them. And so in July, I canceled my JetBlue business card and the JetBlue personal card that I opened a year ago for the bonuses. And JetBlue is not the easiest company to cancel with. I guess it's actually Barclays that handles it. So I first messaged them asking to cancel and that's worked for every other credit card company I've tried so far. But JetBlue replied back saying, you have to call, we can't do it online. So then I call, spoke with the person, explained everything. And then she had to transfer me over to like a retention cancellation specialist who then eventually canceled my card. So it was fine, but definitely way more intensive than Chase or Amex, for example. Okay, so next up, bank accounts. A couple of those actually went pretty well in July, one of which was pretty surprising, which is Citibank. I've actually tried to do Citibank bank bonuses many years ago, and I it resulted in a CFPB complaint to eventually get my American Airlines miles because nothing happened automatically, even though I met all the requirements. So I was sort of expecting that kind of a struggle with this Citibank account that I had opened back in March. And it actually all posted automatically. The offer was tiered based on how much money you deposited. And I deposited $15,000, which would have qualified for a $400 bonus and was not expecting it to literally automatically post 90-ish days after, which is what the term stated. I just, yeah, I just have such low confidence in anything Citibank. I've churned a bunch of Citibank cards back when the American Airlines miles were uh, really lucrative through that. And every time I have to log into Citi, I question why Citi still exists as a consumer bank. I mean, they clearly do not give a crap at all about the consumer side of their banking. And so, yeah, low expectations, but pleasantly surprised that my $400 just posted very smoothly at the end of July. Another one that went pretty well was SoFi. And I'd expected SoFi to work pretty smoothly, aside from some initial challenges with qualifying for employer direct deposit, which I kind of covered in the Square Augusto episode. I wasn't sure about the additional bonus that Slick Deals was offering. So it was $100 through SoFi and Slick Deals is offering another $75 that they'll pay you via PayPal if you sign up through their link. And so I've never used 
slick deals for that kind of a promotion before. And it went really smoothly. So if I posted their bonus first, and a couple of weeks later, the slick deal ones showed up in my PayPal. So yeah, I think that offer is still around. So if you want to try it, it's a pretty easy $175. Another couple of accounts that went through really smoothly were through Swagbucks. I know you guys know how I feel about Swagbucks offers, but these actually went through really smoothly. So Varo was a bank account. The offer was only for $75, but that tracked and posted into my Swagbucks account within seven days, which was great. Another account was Stash Invest, and so that's a, a brokerage account, but you only need to deposit $5, and then they match that $5, so you get $5 free that way, and then Swagbucks has a $75 bonus on top of that. And that was pending for 30 days, but right on the 30-day mark, it posted into my account as well. So yeah, pleasantly surprised for both of those. Which leads me into brokerages and the big brokerage account that my wife and I were trying for in July was Interactive Brokers. And so if you're not familiar with them, they're offering $1,000 of their stock, IBKR, for up to $100,000 of deposit. So if you deposit $100,000, you'll get $1,000 worth of stock. If you deposit less, it'll be a prorated amount of that stock. The terms are you have to leave that money in there for a full year before you're allowed access to then sell or withdraw the IBKR stock that they give you. But assuming you can meet those conditions, it's been the easiest bonus we've gotten so far. We were able to transfer money from another brokerage and within a couple of days of that money hitting interactive brokers, the shares, the IBKR shares were deposited into our account. And then on top of that, I signed up using a referral from my friend and then I once my account was fully established, referred my wife. And the referral program essentially gives the person referring $200 of cash. But you have to wait, I believe, a full year to get it. But it's still $200. So essentially, for my wife and I, in July, $2,000 worth of IBKR stock posted, although we can't access it for a year. And then hopefully, a year from now, we'll be able to both access it. And then I will also see a $200 referral bonus posted onto my account. But yeah, super impressed with Interactive Brokers. I'd never really heard of them prior to this, but their customer service responded within 12 hours each time I've had to reach out to them. They post their bonuses in a couple days. The bonus itself is, I believe, the best bonus there is out there right now for brokerages for a $100,000 deposit. And then the referral program is great. I think Charles Schwab doesn't even give the referrer any money right now for referring someone, whereas you get 200 with interactive brokers. I'm sort of surprised they don't get recommended more often. So I think maybe even like next episode, I might focus it on just interactive brokers because I think it is such a good deal. And there are a couple nuances because they are not a, originally a US-based company. So some of their FAQ terms for doing things like a partial account transfer from another brokerage, which might be what how you deposit your $100,000, right? It's just transferring it from, let's say, Morgan Stanley or Charles Schwab, transferring part of that account into Interactive Brokers. And yes, that does still qualify for the bonus. Uh, but there are a couple things you need to keep in mind. And so, yeah, I think I'll do an episode on them next week because I don't think they're getting enough attention for how good of a deal it is. So overall, I think it was a pretty good July. I'm just uh, scribbling on a post-it right now trying to add the stuff up, but looks like 550 from 
the US Bank Connect plus 150 from Cash Awards cash back. So $700 in cash back from credit cards on top of 125,000 points from Chase posting, which is amazing. I generally try and get two cents per point on Chase when I book through, like we stay at Hyatt hotels. I'm a globalist with Hyatt and those have just tremendous value. Then on the bank account side, got the 400 from City, the $175 from SoFi and Slick Deals, 75 from Varo, 80 from Stash for a total of $730 from bank bonuses, which is also pretty good. Then of course, the big winner is the Interactive Brokers stock worth $2,000. I won't count the referral until next year when that actually posts, but in total, it looks like $3,430 for July from churning credit cards, bank accounts, and brokerages, plus 125,000 chase points. Not too bad at all. I mean, I'm sure this probably sounds like peanuts to the guys that are really heavy into MSing and um, pushing millions of dollars through that way and, and making hundreds of thousands of dollars through through that method. But I think for, for me at least, who's just, uh, I don't really do a lot of MS just because of the amount of effort that requires. And this is still just a side hobby for me where I spend, you know, like a couple hours each day, right? So a couple days a week on it. And so, yeah, 3,430. Pretty good. Pretty good for July. All right, guys, that's it for this episode. Hopefully it was at least interesting to hear about some of the things I've been churning. Definitely let me know what you thought about this kind of a format versus, I guess, a super deep dive into one specific thing. I wouldn't switch over to this format completely, but I think once a month doing a recap was kind of fun for me to track how I'm doing with the churning stuff. And hopefully on your end, you know, most of these offers are still available on DOC. So if any of them were new to you or sounded interesting, you can head over there for links and and comments. And yeah, hopefully this inspires you to churn more stuff. All right, guys, I will talk to you next week.